In the following live session recording, Sandra Sarder, trainer and consultant for Opt for Success Cleveland, Georgia, talks about rekindling your passion for ministry. As a support professional, a ministry assistant, have you lost some of the passion for ministry that you had when you first began? Are things beginning to become the same old, same old? We have been called to kingdom work, but it can be draining physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. In this conference, the listener will learn ways to keep the enthusiasm and the fire burning in our ministry. Let's join Sandra now. Okay, for those of you who uh, weren't in my first session, let me just tell you a little bit. I am Sandra Sarter, and I have been a ministry assistant church secretary for my whole life, just since I was a kid. <laughs> Almost. Um, and uh, I've served in I've served in many churches and in uh, many respects, part-time, full-time. I've served in one association. Haven't served in the state convention, but I have worked for Lifeway for about uh, uh, 32 years now uh, doing training for them, and I was the uh, ministry assistant specialist for the last uh, 14, 15 years. And um, so uh, I am now forming uh, I don't know really how to refer to it, my own ministry, because Lifeway is no longer offering training for ministry assistants, church secretaries, which just truly broke my heart uh, that they're not going to do that anymore. And um, they did give me permission to uh, use materials that I have written and done in all those years. Uh, that technically belong to them, but they've given me given it back to me to allow me to do the training. So um, another lady and I are in the process of starting uh, <clears throat> Opt for Success, and uh, we're going to try to get keep training out there for ministry assistants. That it's so important, but. It's not just ministry assistants that is my uh, love. I love anything to do with the church. Uh, I have um, not just a passion for ministry assistants, but for our pastors and our church leaders. And I always kid people just to tell you guys that are sitting in here, I'm going to be in Mississippi next week with ministry assistants. And they sent me a little email two days ago and said, that we have one pastor coming for this seminar uh, that's basically designed for ministry assistants. And uh, Michael Lee, who's at the Mississippi Baptist Convention, was going to call him and tell him that he might not want to come because it was just going to be women. And I hurried and emailed him back and said, no, <laughs> no, I want him there because what I say to ministry assistants is uh, what I would say to pastors, and I said, tell them we're not going to, we don't, we don't talk down about pastors, we don't talk down about men, uh, but he'll learn a lot. And uh, we have found out that, or I have through the years, that many pastors uh, leave seminary and they don't know how to, they get in a church and suddenly, you know, you don't know what goes on in a church. And so what we do is teach 
what goes on in the office area of the church, the administrative. But what comes along with that, and what comes along with serving, since many of you are laypersons in the church, what comes along with any of these type things when we are busy in the church, is sometimes a sense of losing that passion that we first started off with. When things get, uh, you know, I hate to use the term the same old, same old, but sometimes we feel kind of like that's where we are and we lose that passion. And that's what we want to talk about in this next hour or so together. How can we keep the passion for a ministry? One that we love, one that we feel God has called us to do, but that somehow we just don't feel the like we used to. So let's just get started. You've got a handout I use, fill in the blank. Um, I say, I, I talk a lot, I have, and you can't remember it all, uh, but I do want you to get the gist of it. And so the experts tell us if you write it down, you remember it better. So I give you a, a blank and you can fill in the part. And if you need to go back and look at it later, it's there for you. But first, let's just see what the Bible says about uh, our ministry. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so as Paul was talking to the Galatians, he understood that sometimes the work is tough and that sometimes we get weary. And he was trying to help them to understand that in the midst of all that, it was important for them to not lose heart. Um, but the trouble is, we grow weary. Why is that? Why do we grow weary? What are some things that would cause us to grow weary? <laughs> People. Okay. Hey, why not? They do, don't they? People have needs, they have desires, and uh, sometimes those things can just uh, along with all the other responsibilities can cause us to reach a point of what the experts call burnout. Now there is a uh, conflict there going on right now about uh, you know there is no such thing as burnout and this type of thing but if you've ever been there you understand that there most certainly is a thing called burnout. So let's understand first what burnout is. Burnout is like a book of matches. If you look inside the, the book of matches, what do you see? What? Matches. <laughs> yeah, but what, what is your first thought about those matches? What do they do? What do they do? They create fire. They create something that's full and alive. But if I gave you a, and I have done this in the past with people, um, if I gave you a book of burnout matches and you opened it up, what, it would, what would it say to you? They're useless. They're absolutely useless. They've already uh, burned up and burned out. And that's the way it is with people. Sometimes we just are burned up and burned out. See, burnout is fatigue. 
It's cynicism or apathy that's brought about by work activity that fails to bring a reasonable satisfaction or results in a chronic frustration. Now, how do we know that we've hit that point? How do we know we're there? Um, let me just give you some four instances. If you might be experiencing burnout when you feel tired at work, even after you've got a good night's sleep, <coughs> little things bother you more than they used to. Your job has lost its meaning. You feel ignored and unappreciated at work. You have recurring headaches, pains, colds, or other physical complaints. You neglect to do things you enjoy. I see little grins out there. <laughs> you no longer feel challenged and creative in your work or you have a difficult time concentrating on your work. Uh, these are signs that something's going on within us. That fire is not there, wherever it be. And it might be your ministry at work. We're talking about our church, and that's what we're talking about here. Uh, it might be even life in general sometimes where we, where we experience that. I've had a really tough summer. Uh, this summer, we've just had an unbelievable, uh, I don't know, just everything around our house. And I've been working trying to get about 14 conferences ready, nine of which I've got to do next week. And uh, working on all of that, my brother and sister-in-law have been living with us for five weeks while they get moved into their house. They close today. <laughs> Do I look happy? Uh, give me that box of matches. I love them dearly, but you know, it's just things are not the same. Well, Saturday I'm working like crazy and my computer died. It was like I was kind of like this. My brother said to me as he came upstairs, you just don't even look right in your eyes. And I said, that's right. Do you see, people even begin to notice when you've reached a point of fatigue. Well, burnout comes from neglect of inner spiritual development. Burnout, especially in our ministry, uh, comes from inner uh, spiritual development. So to avoid burnout, we cannot neglect that. We need a clearly focused direction, and that needs to be on Christ, the Savior of the second chance. And that's what we need to remember. He's the Savior of the second chance. Nothing in the past matters. He begins each day anew with us. You know, Paul told the Philippians, yet indeed I also count all things what? loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ my Lord. So Paul knew about the Savior, the second chance. And sometimes when we are down and out and not maybe not in burnout but headed that way, we need to remember that God is the God of second chances. And we need a relentless determination. We need to keep pushing toward being like Christ, moving ahead by leaving the past behind. Paul said, not that I have already attained or am already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have laid hold of it, but one thing I do, 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We don't get there, folks, by, de uh, by neglecting our inner spiritual development. Then there is bitterness. <clears throat> Burnout comes from bitterness. Bitterness, folks, is a cancer. It destroys churches, it destroys homes, and most importantly, it destroys people. So we need to break away from bitterness. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. We need to acknowledge past hurts. They may be in our ministry. They may be with someone in our church. It may be in our home, but we need to acknowledge past hurts. We need to seek counseling if needed. It doesn't always have to be with a professional. Many times you need only to share with someone who truly cares about you, someone you can trust to keep things confidential. This is what's bothering me right now. We need to forgive unconditionally. You may need to remind yourself occasionally of that decision. You know, we can forgive unconditionally, but what does Satan do? He knocks on that little memory bank and, and brings it to mind that that person did something to you and wants you to think you didn't forgive them to start with. You need to say, no, 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 I've, I've forgiven that and move on. And then, folks, we need to practice gratitude I worry about the fact that people don't seem to do that much anymore. I'm even concerned about the fact that we've changed Thanksgiving to Friendsgiving. We don't even want to talk about being thankful uh, for what we have. We need to practice gratitude. Then there is stress. Does anybody have any stress in their life? There are many causes for stress, but we can rid ourselves of some. Now, uh, I'm one of these people that I think stress is just a natural part of life. Does anybody think that's just a natural part of life? But every now and then there's some stress that comes along that's not natural. And um, you know, you go to the doctor's office and don't you love that, there, there's that little place on the, on the thing you fill out that says, what is your stress level rate one through nine? How do you answer that? So, a couple of years ago, just a short story, they, they, uh, I was having a little bit of problems and my doctor thought, well, I, he'd send me for an MRI to see if there was something going on in my brain. My husband said, that's, you know, no need to do that. I can already tell you. <laughs> and, uh, but he sent me anyway and they found some little something and uh, we were on our way to, Miss, to uh, Tennessee to visit our daughter and her family. We're gonna be there for about two weeks. And uh, the doctor's office calls me and says they found this little thing somewhere in my 
brain, something there. But it was real tiny and nothing to be, it was a blah, 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 whatever. Nothing to be concerned about, but we've made an appointment for you at the neurologist. Now, I was so relieved. Do y'all think I was relieved? <laughs> no, I spent two miserable weeks in Tennessee wondering why they're sending me to a neurologist if there's nothing to worry about, okay? So we get back home and we go to the neurologist's office, sit through, you know, the waiting room, and they bring me that paperwork to fill out. And there's that sweet little question on there. What is your stress level? And I just wrote out there, is this a trick question? <laughs> My husband was so embarrassed that I would write that. But hey, we're all stressed, aren't we? To me, that's a trick question. So, but there are some things that will help us. First, we need to give up the need to be busy. How many of you need to be busy? Anybody in here need to be busy? Okay, where well, you're looking at number one, it need to be busy, okay. So, we need to develop a strategy. First of all, we need to quit trying to do everything because in so doing, you can often miss your spiritual development. And I realize that from time to time. I realize that sometimes I've gotten so busy that guess what I've forgotten to do? I forgot my quiet time today. I forgot to pray like I should. And then I'm wondering why my day is so rotten, you know, because Satan keeps us busy. He keeps us busy. but. Listen to this excerpt from Mark. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. It's kind of a little gem lost in there, folks. After this, 5,000 people were fed. Okay. Do you have Bible reference you know, I come, cannot come remember. Aside, huh? Come aside and rest a while. Come aside and rest a while is in Mark. Okay. Right now, I cannot. I didn't record the verse when I wrote this in my notes, but it's there. And our our pastor back here is going to find it for us. I see him. <laughs> After this, five thousand people were fed. Then Mark says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away and when he had sent them the apostles away what did he do mark says he departed to the mountain to pray he didn't have to be busy all the time he made a point to stop and pray sent everybody away and pray did you find it for us mark 631 mark 631 thank you that sheds some light for us on how Jesus felt about stress. He was stressed. Y'all, this was he was a man. He was a human. He had to be stressed. And he knew he needed time alone to think and to pray. That's our Savior, y'all, showing his humanity to us. He was just as human as us and knew he had to talk to his father. We do too. Get rid of your need to always please people. Now, am I telling you to be ugly to them? 
No. But we can't please everybody. Re rid yourself of the fear of rejection. Jesus said, I do not receive honor from men. He received his honor from his Father, and that's where we get ours. Get rid of the fear that others may realize that you hurt sometimes. No, we don't smile all the time. We have hearts that break, just like other people. We all do. Then there's jealousy or dislike of a co-worker. Paul told the Romans, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore receive one another, just as Christ also received us, to the glory of God. Folks, we got to get rid of ego. Jesus said, And which of you, having a servant, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Get rid of ego. We're doing what God wants us to do. We don't need him to pat us on the back every time and tell us how wonderful we are. Know who you are. That's self-esteem. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he was trying to show them the attitude of servanthood. He was only able to do this because of his own self-esteem. He knew who he was. He didn't have to prove he was the king of kings. That would happen soon enough. He wanted more to prove that he was a servant. That was his goal. Go for excellence. Do it well. My daddy had a say and I grew up on it. Do it first, do it well the first time and you won't have to do it again. That was what he said to his kids. He raised three kids and we're all like that now. I mean we're we're gonna do our best to do it first the well the first time because that's just the way we were taught. Paul told the Colossians twice in the same chapter, whatever you do, do it for who? For the Lord. And so if we're doing it for the Lord, then we want to do it well, don't we? Anger. Burnout comes from anger. Change that to compassion. Love is not necessarily affection, folks. Serve with love, and God makes us love. There are some people that I positively, I can assure you, are not, I am not going to love because of me. I love them simply because God told me to. I have my moments when I kind of want to tell them that too, but I, I refrain. So. Practice patience. How many of you think you're patient? Whew. Not me. But this is what I learned about patience. I've kicked myself for years because I've told myself that I wasn't patient. But listen to me a little bit about patience. Patience is not is not being passive. 
in James chapter 5, we see the analogy of a farmer who plants his seed and waits for it to grow. But while he waits, he does other things. He doesn't just cross his hands and wait. So patience is knowing that there is something going to come, but it's later. But in the process, I'll keep going and I'll keep doing. That's patience. Get rid of guilt. I had a pastor that called me in one time that scared me to death. He said, we need a serious talk. And I said, okay. I went and sat down at his desk and he said, you got to get rid of that guilt. And I said, I don't have any guilt. And he said, you take on everybody else's guilt. He said, you don't just bear your own, you take on everybody else's. It just get rid of it. Get rid of the guilt. That was a hard thing for me to do because I'm one of these people that wants to solve problems and if they don't get solved, then who's the fault? Must be me because I tried to make it right and it didn't turn out right. So get rid of the guilt, whether it's your own guilt or somebody else's. Don't let anger fester. Get over it and get on with life. Be open and direct. I'm one of these people that I believe if, if you're mad at me, I want you to tell me. I want you to tell me now. And I'm going to tell you now. And uh, let's get it over and, and done with. Uh, my mother lived a very miserable life because she let anger fester and never got it out of her life. Uh, I don't know who she was angry with first, but along the years that followed, she added a whole other lot of people to her list. And that's what happens when you let anger fester. And then burnout comes from our health. If you don't feel good, you just don't do good work. You're just, you know, you don't feel like doing what you want to do. And then burnout comes from overwork. We need to be persistent and we need to be dependable. Now neither of these mean that we need to be a doormat. So don't let your job take over your entire life. Your personal life is very important. Nurture it. So if I say that about your job, I say that about your ministry. Whether it's a lay ministry or a vocational ministry, you need a life outside of that arena. Uh, don't allow yourself to overwork. And then burnout comes from worry. We worry most because we are afraid of losing a dream or a lifestyle. How many of you in here are worriers? Well, that's okay because I'll worry for you. <laughs> that's, my, that's my number one thing. I'm a worrier. And I have to remind myself, I have to say, God, I'm sorry, I know that you don't want me to worry. And then you know what I usually do? I say, but. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> Remember our value to him who made us. Wasn't that wonderful what Dr. Croster, is it Croster? Cross, I don't know if I'm saying his name right. But he so much was hitting home with me with some of these things about what we do to ourselves. Our value is in, is in Christ. Remember the futility of worry. Let me give you some scripture to read. Psalm 
Proverbs 29.25 and Isaiah 26.3. Psalm 32.10, Proverbs 29.25, and Isaiah 26.3. Remember that true wealth has nothing to do with material things. You know, we just really get caught up in that sometimes. And then burnout comes from feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy usually brought from childhood. So I want to give you some scripture verses to read. Uh, first is about unworthiness. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Ephesians 1, 5 through 7 and 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Did I put this in your notes? Yes. Uh, inadequacy. 2 Timothy 1, 7. Philippians 4.13 and Psalm 18.29 that talk about these two issues and can help us get over that. And then burnout comes from displeasure with the church focus or promotions that are not to your liking. Oh well. <laughs> can that possibly be? Uh, that the church would do something you might not like. So it's going to happen. So now I've preached the sermon. Let's look at some ways to rekindle the passion. What do we do about that inner spiritual development? First, take time to be quiet. Read scripture. Reflect in silence on God's work in you through the scriptures. Think about it for a while. Um, I'm really bad at just reading scriptures. Anybody like this? I'm, I, I read it and I go right along. Uh, I'm teaching Sunday school class now and uh, I've said no for several years. And I'm so glad that I've started back and for one important reason. I can't just read the scripture anymore. I gotta spend some time in there thinking about it. And it's put me back in the word when I'd gotten pretty lazy about it. So reflect on what you're reading. Sit quietly relaxing in God's presence. What do we do about bitterness? Well, we need to take direction and constructive criticism. We need to hold on to our sense of humor, or maybe some people need to develop one. Uh, I, I couldn't make it without a sense of humor, so uh, I can, I'm my funniest subject uh, when it comes to something to laugh about. So. Maintain a positive attitude. What do we do about that stress? Learn to relax. Take some time away from your cell phone, your iPad, your laptop. We cannot relax when we're always on. I don't understand why people 
cannot put down their phones. Um, I, we had some guests over to our house not long ago, and he said to me, uh, I don't even know the password to your Wi-Fi. And I said, that's right. And he said, and you're not going to give it to me. I said, that's right. <laughs> did you come here to visit us, or did you come here to stay on your cell phone with my Wi-Fi? No, I don't give out my Wi-Fi password. So, <laughs> Laugh regularly. Laughing is good for you. Leave your desk for a few minutes during the day to clear your mind and stretch your muscles. Have you ever sat in front of your computer for so many hours you didn't even know the time passed by and when you went to stand up you couldn't? We need to get away and stretch those muscles and those legs. We need to read, read, and read some more. Do some things just for fun. Not for any other reason, just because it's fun. Play soft music in the background if you work alone. Take three minutes for a phone call to a friend. That's one of the best things you can do for yourself during a stressful day. But now let me tell you, that's three minutes. Not 30, not an hour, but three minutes. Just enough to say, I mean, just tell them what you're doing. I'm de-stressing, and so I'm just calling to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to be on the phone long. Don't let it turn into a gab fest or a gossip session. How do we handle jealousy? We need to maintain professionalism. And as I said before, we need to learn to love people simply because Christ does. It's going to be an ongoing process, folks. It'll never end. How do we handle anger? We need to learn to be pleasant. Have you ever met anybody that's just never pleasant? You just hate to see them coming? Yeah, I tell ministry assistants that you put a window in your door and you put your desk so you can see that and you can see who that unpleasant person is coming at you so you can be prepared for them because you know who they are. See, you can see them coming. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm talking be prepared. So, be prepared. That's when you offer up that little extra prayer. Lord, help me be pleasant to this person because they're your difficult. But let me just tell you a quick funny on that. Um, I led a conference out in, um, in Texas, in Houston, and I can't remember the name of the church, but we're talking huge. I went out and trained their ministry assistants. They only have 40 something. Okay? And so I said to them, I was talking to them about working with difficult people and I said, all of you have a difficult person. And the whole place went quiet. <laughs> and I thought, okay, what did I say? And then there was this little snicker and I said, I don't mean to be ugly, but, you know, did I say, I mean, I thought I knew what I said, but did I say something? 
And one of the ministry assistants said, we're not allowed to talk about that. And I said, oh, okay. And then another one from the back said, that's because we've all discovered we have the same difficult person. <laughs> can you believe that one person can cause that for 40 different people? So it only takes one. So be positive. Negative people will pull us down if we're not careful. And be even-tempered. I interviewed for a job one time, and uh, uh, the man that I was interfering with, uh, interfering with, <laughs> he probably thought it was interfering before I, before I retired, but at any rate, when in the interview he said, I want a level person. And I said, okay. And he said, now I want to make sure you understand what I mean about level. And I said, okay. And he said, I don't want you to come in here one day and you're happy. And the next day you're not. And the next day I want level every day. I want you to come in even tempered and so I don't know if I succeeded or not he never told me so uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what that's talking about being level someone that when somebody sees you they know okay and then your health eat sensibly for years my lunch consisted of a bag of Cheetos and a Dr. Pepper. Okay, uh, it got to be it got to be a joke. You know, it it even it got to be so well known that when I'd go lead a conference, I would get to where I was going to lead a conference, and I'd have a bag of Cheetos and a Dr. Pepper on my table because everybody said we know that's what you need before you get out of here. So, it was not very sensible eating, folks. And then we need to exercise. One of the things that's kind of had us, I told my husband the other day, I said, I just feel out of sorts. I'm not out of sorts with Marlon and Pat. I've enjoyed them being here. I'm not angry with them, but for some reason I'm just out of sorts. And then it finally hit me. We have our exercise. We ha he has an elliptical bike and I go down and we, uh, I, I dance for my exercise. And so he rides his bicycle and I have the TV on to my dance thing and, and do my thing. And we do that for 30 minutes to an hour every morning. That's what we get up. And neither one of us wants to go to a gym because when I leave the house, my day's shot. I can never get back. And so for five weeks, we haven't done that because we had to sh shove all of that away because my brother and sister-in-law were down there, and then it hit me. It's not that I'm out of sorts, it's that my body is out of sorts. You understand what I'm saying? I just don't feel the way I normally feel. So you need that exercise. Have regular checkups. 
Now my husband's made an ultimatum that he doesn't want to because they always find something else wrong. He says, you know, I think I'd rather be ignorant. But we really need those checkups. Learn what things make you feel good. What things make you feel good? Y'all got something? What, what's something that makes you just feel good? Your sense of accomplishment. Sense of accomplishment. I'm sitting by the waterfall. Just hearing the water is just, man. Makes you feel good. Anybody else? Grandchildren. Grandchildren. Oh, yeah. They make you feel good. Then they turn into teenagers. But, <laughs> but learn what makes you feel good and do more of it. Okay? How do we handle overwork? Well, you learn to say no. Do y'all not love this graphic? This is my all-time favorite graphic right here. Because this tells you how you say no. Do you see this lady? See all the... She's saying it very nicely, but she's still saying no. Learn that there are a lot of different ways to say no. You don't have to just say no. It can be, it, it, I just can't do it now. Uh, if, you know, uh, offer some alternatives, but whatever, learn to say no. Leave work at work. Oh, if I could tell anybody in the world this. Leave work at work. When you come home, guess what your family wants? You. They want you. Your kids at the Little League ball field don't want you working on something else. They want you with them. Leave your personal life at home because if you work at a church or anything else, your employer expects you to be there. Now, does that mean that you, I mean, naturally you're going to have to make doctor's appointments and stuff like that. But, man, these, I don't have it right here. Let me just, you can tell I'm really attached to it. These things can eat up your time, okay? They don't have a place at your work turned on all the time and staying on it. I know people that this is what they're doing all the time. The, I lead conferences now, and nine times out of ten, I have to say to people, please put your cell phones away, and I don't mean put it in your lap, because I found out that they go. <laughs> I love our pastor who says, oh, I see all of y'all are out there reading the scripture with me on your cell phone, and I'm looking over the seat in front of me, and they're doing Amazon, you know. <laughs> Folks, Really? We need to understand that we need to leave some things where they belong and not take them to other places. Organize and plan your work. Haphazard won't get it done. You need to organize. Take at least one week off from work every year. Do you know that the United States is the, I don't know the right terminology, but let's say workingness, is that a, that's not a word, but we work more than any other country in the world. We take less time off. Uh, that's right. Because we just... 
and, and, and my husband was one of those, saved all of his vacation time when I would beg him, you know, well, we need to take more time with kids. And he said, oh, well, I'm saving it because when I retire, I'll get paid for that. And he did. And Uncle Sam got it because they clumped it right into his last paycheck and it was a humdinger. We didn't get that money. And that was when I was able to say, see? <laughs> we could have been doing something as a family. So take your time off. Get away from the office for lunch, at least occasionally. It's okay to eat your lunch at church or in your office or whatever from time to time, but from time to time you need to just get away. Just get away. Enlist and train volunteers to handle routine tasks. And I've already spent some time on it, but put away this right here for a while and let people know that you are not always available. <coughs> worry. How do we handle worry? Willingly yield your worries and concerns to God. That's, like I said, for me it's very hard. I, I hand it to Him and then I want to pick it up and take it back again but I'm trying to get better with that. Feelings of unworthiness and inadequacy. How do we overcome that? Folks, learn, learn, learn. You know that little old adage that says learn something new every day? Learn something new every day. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just learn something, a small thing. But just rejoice in the fact that I've learned something new today. I, I like that, that, you know, some people will point out something to me that they think that might be an embarrassment to me and I go, wow, that's great. I've learned something today, something I did not know. So uh, just try to uh, see everything as, to me, as a training opportunity. That's, and maybe take some classes in something. Learn something, maybe it doesn't have anything to do with your job or what you do, but something you just always wanted to do. Uh, I just read in our newspaper last night that North Georgia Tech, uh, up where I live in the North Georgia mountains, is forming, it's called the Travelers Club, and it's for people to just come and to these meetings and uh, sign up for classes and for travel, and they're all learning situations. It's not just for fun, but it's for learning. So learning is important. Develop interests unrelated to your church. <laughs> Did she say that? So, folks, you need some people and some things outside your church. Now, I'm not saying sinful stuff. I'm just saying that you need some things that are beyond the scope of the church that you're involved with, community or uh, something, because that uh, is just something that helps you feel a sense of worthiness. And then displeasure with your church focus or promotions that are not to your liking. Well, folks, there's only one way to get over that, and that's you just got to welcome change because it's coming, and it's going to keep coming. Uh, the world is changing. 
Uh, it's changed since we've been born, and it's making some radical changes now. I don't think we have to accept all of them, but if they're necessary, then we've got to change them. And the church is going to change. Do I like everything my church does? I'm going to tell you, I don't like everything my church does. But that's fine. I'm not, I don't think my church is doing anything wrong. It's just something I don't care for, you know. And so I may not necessarily, or the way they do it, or something like that. There'll never be a perfect church, okay? Won't happen. We, a few years ago, we had a couple that left our church, and one of the deacons called them and said, why have y'all left the church? And you know what, you know what the guy told him? The pastor preaches on sin all the time. How do you answer that? I don't, I don't know how you answer that, you know. They wanted something from the church that wasn't going to happen. That, you know, they wanted a change to happen that wasn't going to happen because uh, our pastor's never going to not preach against sin. So that's the way it is. There was a page left out of your, hand, out of your handout, and I apologize for that you, if you want to make some notes on the back because I want to share with you uh, in closing um, it's from the book, The Power of Optimism. Uh, it's by Alan Loy McGinnis. And he lists some things that I just wanted you to, to list there. He says, attach yourself to hopeful people. Don't you like to be around people like that? Some people that are optimistic and enthusiastic. And then he said, spend time with children. And see, I love that you said your grandchildren. Children allow us to see the world in a way we forgot. We used to see it that way, the simplicity and the awe and the excitement. And so spending some time with children and then he said, take many sabbaticals. Uh, do whatever you have to do to just get away, whether it's a few hours. M-A-N-Y, right? Yeah. Many. Many. M-A-N-Y, yeah. That too. You Get to know someone new. In other words, get out there and find some new relationships and some new acquaintances. And in closing, I want to give you one final note. We should all learn to piddle more. That's what my husband does. Do y'all know what piddling is? Yeah, y'all are all Southerners. You know what piddling is? Um, when I'm flitting around like a fly and doing all of these things, Roger is piddling. You know, when he says I'm going to the shop to do something, he may be back in 30 minutes or he may be gone for the rest of the day. And when I ask him what he's been doing, he goes, oh, well, I was, I was changing the boat on the lawnmower. And I'm like, you know, my first response is, well, I've been in here washing dishes, mopping the floors. There's a, you've been changing a boat on the lawnmower all day long. So. How did those take that long? <laughs> <laughs> it was way back in there. <laughs> the man does not rush. 
He does not rush. Uh, he has learned the joy of just enjoying life. And so, we were in Mississippi, traveling through Mississippi. We stopped at this little store in Mississippi, and here was this shirt. And I said, this is the front, and I said, that is your shirt. And I don't care how much it costs, I am buying that shirt. So he wears this, he wears this shirt, and it gets more comments from people because y'all, are you all born and raised in the South? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but Yankees don't understand Piglet. <laughs> we get stopped by more Yankees that go, what does that mean? <laughs> but the problem is, is that even those of us who are born in the South and know what it means, don't do it enough. So let's learn to piddle a little more. You see, life is just too serious to take too seriously when it comes to allowing ourselves to relax and soak in the good things that God's provided for us. There's so much out there. Don't you love that sunset? I could sit and look at that all day, well, until it got dark and then want it to come back out again. Wait impatiently, I might say, for the next one. But you see, the Son, Jesus Christ, is within us. So what I want to say to you is that we need to let the sun shine in us and from us. And then I think that we will learn how to feel less burnout and we can serve to the best of our ability. And that's all Christ is wanting us to do is just to rest in Him. Even if we're working, to rest in the sun. Thank you. That's it. Are, <clears throat> any comments and questions? My wife should have been here. <laughs> I'm sorry. My wife should have been here. Your wife should have been here. And she would be your twin. Oh, <laughs> bless her heart. Everything, everything you describe, describe her. So. But I hope that you have a passion for what you're doing uh, in your life with Christ because it, it, means, it means the world a difference to everything you do. Um, I've long since uh, retired, but I have a passion for the office uh, support staff of churches. I just have a passion. God's put that on me. And so each of us has our own passion, especially within the Church of Jesus Christ, that thing that we want to do more than any other. And, and we have to be, we have to safeguard that. We have to, because we don't want, we don't want to lose that. Because there are people watching and, and, and what we've got. We're, you know, he's made us all unique and that's a wonderful thing. Can I pray for us before we leave tonight? Father, I pray for each of each person in this room, and I pray that your passion is alive and well in each of them. And I pray that if for some reason right now they're feeling just a little bit uh, burned out, so to speak, uh, I pray that uh, maybe something that got said tonight will rekindle that passion within them, and that they will realize how very, 
very special they are in your kingdom work. And I just ask that you will bless them, that you will bless their ministry, whatever it is, and that you'll be um, with them, guiding them, giving them wisdom. And Father, we pray tonight that as we leave this church and go to our separate places for an evening of uh, sleep and rest, that you'll provide us with safety and with that rest, and that you'll bring us all back here tomorrow morning alert and ready to see what you've got in store for us in another one of your great days. And we pray that in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.